Welcome back to Our Story. My name is Matt Stone. Glad to have you with us today. I'm joined today by Dr. Phil Schrader. Phil, how you doing? Doing great. Good to be with you. And we also have Reverend Kathy Brockman. Kathy, great to have you. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. Excited about today because we've got all kinds of new things starting this Sunday. So, uh, Phil, this Sunday we're going to kick off a new series uh, and would love for you to kind of introduce us to where we headed over the next three, four, five weeks. Well, I think we've all seen things in recent days that uh, destroy community, that tear down community. And we're going to be reading a letter, the letter of James, that talks about how we build community and what it means to build Christian community. What are the building blocks of that? What are things to watch out for as we seek to grow stronger together as a community? Not just the community of this church, but the Dunwoody community. Let me dig a little bit, just before we jump into James, let me dig a little bit on that. So why do I care? I, I think one of the questions that we bring to any text in, in Scripture, and also to church with us, is why do I care what we're talking about this week? So if somebody approaches you, Phil, or you, Kathy, and says, why do I care about building community? I've got my own stuff. I, like, my life is hard enough. Trying to hold my family together is hard enough. Trying to keep my kids safe, you know, whatever the thing is. Uh, our individual lives are hard enough. Why do I care about building community? Well, I, I, I think one of the phrases that I would quote is that shared sorrow is lessen, lessened and shared joy is increased. And that if we have people to walk that journey with, those things can both happen. Uh, I also think that it is an isolating time. We've been in a time where people are more and more isolated. And I don't think that's made us better. And so uh, James is really concerned not just about the way you think about your faith or what you say about your faith, but the way you put it into practice. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really put it into practice unless you're putting it into practice with other people. Very true. And, you know, he, when he wrote the letter, people were, the people were scattered. And so in order to, um, to build community back, I think this letter is really appropriate for the time that we're talking about. Yeah, geographically scattered in a way that it's hard for our culture to to, to, to really connect with mm-hmm. because, you know, nothing is really all that far away. It's right. a click away. Um, and, and yet um, I talked with a family this morning who doesn't have any uh, immediate family here. They've got family all over the country. And so they are dispersed and hadn't even seen each other uh, in 18 months. And so recently have been able to get together. So I do think that there is a dispersion for many folks of their friends and family sure. living further and further away. We do we are a click away, but it's not that intimate connection that um, can really help help us to grow. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I would add to those, just as I think about the need for critical, reflective thought and prayer about community in this time, is um, I, I think. American Christianity has devolved to a degree mm-hmm. into an individual pursuit. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's me and my friend Jesus, and that's really all that matters is my relationship with Jesus. Okay. And certainly we want to affirm that. I, my relationship with God does matter, and it does change my life, and it makes a difference in how I engage the world on a daily basis. However, when, when we roll back through not just history, but when we roll back through the pages of the Bible— there is not once that I know of, and maybe I'll know of one. I, I'm sure somebody listening can point one out, but there is not one instance that I can think of where faith was conceived of 
as an individual pursuit, something that I do by myself. It was, it, it seems to me to, to reside almost exclusively in the realm of community. And the letters addressed to brothers or brothers and sisters. It's not singularly addressed to a person. It's addressed to a group of people. It was meant to be read in community and heard in community. And I think one of the things uh, you and our Next Generation team is helping us to ask the question, how does my relationship with Jesus Christ change the way that I live? Mm -hmm. And that's just not live in my own little bubble. It's how do I interact with people? Right. And there's so much division in this country and in the world right now that it is so important to um, share that with each other. And I can tell you, both of you, that Bible studies that I've been in are so much better when people share their own views of it and then learn from each other. So just having our own view of what our walk is, that's one thing. But then to be able to understand what the Bible means for others is also really helpful, too, to live in community, to study in community. Yeah, I think that's right. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when we consider the role that engaging Scripture and engaging our faith in a community context plays, and when when we acknowledge that that, that engagement with our faith necessarily has to change the way we live, otherwise what are we doing? then James becomes a natural destination for us because so much of James is about how how does what I believe translate into how I live? At a very basic level. I mean, this is not um, rocket surgery, as one of my friends likes to say. These are just very basic things about how we talk to one another, how we let our anger get the best of us. Uh, It's once again, the things that come out of our mouths, the things that we say, how do you tame the tongue? How do you keep an understanding of caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan? I mean, all these things are really basics. And so I think at a time when they're We've tried to make things so complex. It's good to kind of let let's get back to the basics and talk through just the very basics of what it means to walk together. Yeah, I think that's why. And we were talking before we started recording. I think that's why, Phil, it's so confusing for me to run into folks, either contemporary or historical, who don't necessarily appreciate what James brings to the table. So Martin Luther, right, famously wants to just remove the book of James from Scripture. Um, and, and that's wrapped up in, in his uh, exploration of faith and works. And so I, I understand that. But it seems to me to just miss the gift of pragmatic faith, practical faith. Yes, this is very practice, pragmatic faith. But he does have some good points. Luther had some good points. This doesn't teach us anything really about Jesus. Mm-hmm. The name of Jesus is only invoked twice in the letter. I mean, there he doesn't really talk about the resurrection. He doesn't really talk about so many things that we think are central to the Christian faith. Doesn't mean that this isn't strong and helpful things, but you can see where Luther would respond and say this is an epistle of straw. But then I loved what one theologian responded to say, there are some animals that find straw incredibly nourishing. (laughs) And so we need to uh, take uh, and feast on this word as well. And uh, Kathy was talking about how Wesley really thought this book 
Yeah, yeah. So John Wesley, um, in his journal, said that uh, James is a remedy against the temptation of leaving off good works in order to increase your faith. So he really, really liked the book of James, that, you know, you can't have faith without works. It's not works earn you anything, but your faith is automatically going to manifest itself in, in works. So. Yeah, and I, I love the... Uh... Um, I love the different approaches to James from Luther and Wesley. It tells us so much about both of them. And we certainly appreciate Luther's uh, intellectual and theological contributions to our faith. And goodness knows we don't exist to a large degree without Luther. But Wesley's emphasis, like you said, Kathy, Wesley's emphasis on, hey, this is going to change how I live and lo- live with and love my neighbors. Mm-hmm. This is going to change how I'm angry or what I say. I'm not surprised. If, if, if you hadn't have told me, I would not have been surprised that Wesley was so um, affectionate toward this particular letter because it's such a, um, such a close match Absolutely. to so much of what he said, right? Absolutely. Well, so, so you've heard a little bit. We've talked a little bit about where we're headed in the, uh, in the series and building community. We've talked a little bit uh, by way of introduction to the letter of James. But for this Sunday, Phil... We're going to dive into the back half of James chapter 1. So help us get there in our minds. Help us prepare for, for worship this Sunday. Uh, what of the first half of the chapter do we need to know? Uh, and, and as we start thinking about the second half of the chapter, where do we need to jump in? Well, the first half of the chapter uh, does this introduction, James, a servant of God and the and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes of the diaspora. So you're seeing that people are, are dispersed, and he wants you to know that it's we should rejoice in the trials that will produce endurance, and God will give wisdom to those who ask, uh, who really trust that that wisdom will help them. And the humility that I show toward God kind of redefines my human relationships. Those are the that's the beginning of the first several verses. Those are the things that uh, people need to be thinking of as they read the the first entry introductory verses of James. Uh, if you get a letter from someone, uh, you usually don't just take the first sorry, section. Sorry, do you mean an email? Like, what do you mean a letter? Yeah, uh, they used to people used to take out paper and pencil and write actual with ink on a piece of paper but why not just type it i don't understand it it doesn't people sometimes want something tangible to hold on to people actually do this people do actually do that i find that hard to believe phil i'm not sure i have seen it it. i've done it i've done it okay and um, if you say so i believe you but if you were to get a letter you usually would not just take the first several paragraphs of the letter and concentrate on that and try to figure out what the first several paragraphs of the letter mean before you read the rest of the letter. So as people prepare to live with us in James for the last Sunday in August and the rest of September, I would like to invite them to read through the whole book, Mm. to read through the whole book and then to go back and start to savor smaller pieces of it. It's not very long. It's just five chapters. And... I think that you get a, a, a larger sense of what James is trying to do if you'll read the whole thing. I so appreciate that uh, invitation. Uh, I, one of the hardest but more formational experiences that I've had in reading Scripture was uh, a pastor who challenged me to read a, a book. It, was, it happened to be Galatians. 
every day until everybody in our little small group had read it every day for that week. And, you know, we were in college, so it took, I don't know, seven years. <laughs> but uh, there's something so powerful. This is one of the things that I learned, something so powerful about reading all the way through, like you're saying, and then doing that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's astounding how how many different things we notice depending on today's experience or yesterday's pain or tomorrow's celebration. Uh, I think that's a, a great discipline and invitation as we get started in James. And I hope we're going to do that in Advent as well, just to kind of uh, get you thinking ahead to December. I'd like us to read the books of Luke and Acts during December yeah, so that in January we start reading them a chapter at a time for 52 weeks. So in 2022, the whole church is reading Luke 1 together that week, Luke 2 together the second week, <clears throat> and reflecting on it after we've read them kind of in a broad um, broad survey yeah. uh, during December, during Advent, that time of preparation and waiting to read Luke and Acts and then to read them more deeply together for a year. All right, so um, so now we're going to just dive a little bit deeper in Phil and Kathy to the passage for this Sunday. So we're going to start in James chapter 1, verse 19, right? Yes. What captures, for both of you, what captures you about the, these, um, these eight verses? What stands out to you and what are you really uh, wrestling with this week? Well, there, there's a hortative nature uh, to this. There is... Uh, you must, and you don't always get that. Uh, you of, often get an invitation from Jesus. You often get an invitation uh, in some of Paul's work, but in in James, it is a you must. You must understand this, and I think that's a really strong opening. You must understand this. Now he says, "My beloved, my brothers and sisters, let everyone be quick to listen." Yeah. I love that. And I also love what he says, you have to walk the talk and not mm-hmm. just talk the, the verses, right? You, you have to be doers of the word, not merely hearers, which I think is really powerful. This feels like obvious. It, as, I, as I reflect yeah. on this, I, I was just going to say it. This feels so obvious. Yeah. It's obvious, but it's hard. I, we struggle so yeah. mightily with yeah. this. Uh, in in a cultural sense, in a communal sense, within our families, we struggle. Why is this so hard? James James demands that we understand it, but it's it, it feels like such a heavy lift at times. Why why do we struggle with this so much? We seem to live in an age where you have anger on demand. Yeah, yeah. Anything anybody does, makes instant anger, anger. Mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know. It's not, I mean, everybody does it, right? But is it okay? Well, I mean, yeah, so I'd push back a little bit. James says no, it's not. I mean, our culture doesn't say it's it's wrong, Uh or or I don't feel that. Our culture seems to affirm it, right? Quick quick to anger. Yeah. 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 And all of your anger is righteous. Doesn't matter what your anger angry Mm -hmm. about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And one of the other um, sort of... um, not biblical writers, but one who was writing about uh, the biblical stories t- says to be quick to listen and deliberate to respond. 
I like that. Yeah. Quick to listen and deliberate to respond. Probably taking some liberties with this. Slow to speak, slow to anger. Slow to yeah. speak, slow to anger, but quick to listen. Quick to listen and deliberate to respond. Yeah. I, I happen to like the second clause of this a lot. Uh, and this is verse 20. Uh, so verse 19, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Here's why I like it. It's so pragmatic. Yeah. Right? What, what, what I want to do is to do things that are righteous. And I know that word righteous carries a lot of baggage. We hear righteous and immediately yeah. think of self-righteous. Mm-hmm. But, but the word righteous doesn't mean self-righteous. It's a different thing. The word righteous means to do the right thing, right? To do what God has called us to do, to live the life that God has invited us to live, because that's the path to the good life. I want to do these things. And what James seems to do right here, right, right in the first verse or two that we're looking at for this Sunday, is to provide a path towards exactly that. Mm-hmm. If I will be slower to anger, quicker to listen, and, and quicker to, or let's see, slow, slow to, to respond. <laughs> slow to respond, thank you. Then this is a path to producing God's righteousness. I like that there's, I mean, there's a linear tale to be told there that I, that I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. And then it goes on uh, after that sort of really basic advice about how we should interact as family, as friends, as a community. Um, We're told to not merely hear the word because hearers only deceive themselves. Yeah, and then if you think you're religious and you don't hold your tongue... You deceive yourself that you're religious. Yeah. That, that religion is just worthless. I think, I think the back half of James one has the potential to cut. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. It has the potential to cut pretty deep, because it lays things out so plainly. Right. If you lose track or control of your tongue, then you're you're lying to yourself about who you really are. Loose I mean, lips sink. Ships. Churches. Friendships, churches, uh, relationships, everything. All kinds of ships. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it, it really, it has the potential to hurt, but I think it's the good kind of hurt, right? It's the, it's the same kind of thing we talk about with pruning, mm-hmm. right? Pruning hurts the surface of the plant in a sense, but produces greater fruit yeah. in the long term. I really this, like how you brought pruning into this okay. because he uses sort of organic and gardening images. He talks about the implanted word of God, the the sowing of seeds of righteousness into you. So God's word being planted into you and ridding yourself of the weeds of wickedness. So pulling up the weeds of wickedness in your life so that the word of God can take root. I think those are rich images. Yeah, yeah. there, There are... A lot of rich images. One of the things that I struggle with is the 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 sheer number of rich images, and that this isn't you know what we hear in the Gospels or in in large portions of the Old Testament in terms of a story that's being told. This is a lot more direct counsel and advice, and so it can be harder for us to wade through it. But uh, I know for me, Phil, one of the things that that I'm hoping we'll have an opportunity to do as a church over the next several weeks is to dig into some rich language, some complex concepts in some ways, 
but some deeply practical and pragmatic ways of living out our faith. It, it doesn't have a story. It's not a page turner necessarily, at least for me. Mm-hmm. It's not a page turner that I just can't get enough of it. But it's the kind of thing that when we spend more time with it, it has the same ability as a, as a page turning novel to shape our identity. Well, and these are things that you need to write down. These are things that you need to write down and put on your windshield or put on your mirror uh, in the morning when you wake up and remind yourself of these just direct phrases. Uh, How can my life be different today if I'm quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Yeah, I think that's right. I I really am excited to dig into James. It's been a long time since I've studied, just personally, since I've studied James in any deep kind of way. And uh, I'm looking forward to that over the next couple of weeks. Phil, Kathy, for both of you, as you think about our our community coming together for worship this Sunday, I know, Phil, you've already said, hey, read all the way through the letter of James. That will help you understand where we start. Um, is, there, is there any other practice? Is there any other thought or reflection or prayer that you would invite our church into in advance of Sunday? Well, I really like what you said, that your college professor or whoever it was told you to read um, Galatians every day. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I mean, this is only five chapters long. Read it every day. Take 15, and, 20 minutes, yeah, something like the that. the most. And, and see what else jumps out at you day by day. Um, I think that's a really wonderful practice, especially if you have something easy to digest. Well, sorry, <laughs> digest. Um, yeah. I think that's a great advice. And also, I mean, if anybody's ever done Lectio Divina, that's a, this is an excellent one, I think, to practice that on too. So, um, Fantastic. Yeah. The last thing I would say is before you come to church on Sunday, I would invite you to look in the mirror. Mm. Look in the mirror, and, and what do you see? And is it what you fully want to see? Uh, and to look beyond physical to say, what, what do you really see uh, reflected there? Um, and that will, I think, uh, help you prepare to hear this text as well. Fantastic. Phil, Kathy, thanks for joining us for another week. Enjoyed it. Likewise. with you. Likewise. And uh, we hope you all will join us next week for another episode of Our Story at Dunwoody United Methodist Church. Thanks for being with us this week. Thanks for listening to the Our Story podcast from Dunwoody UMC. Visit us online at dunwoodyumc.org and join us for online or in-person worship every Sunday. This August, join us inside at 8.30 a.m. for worship in the chapel, at 9 a.m. for contemporary worship in the sanctuary, or 11.15 a.m. for traditional worship in the sanctuary. As COVID cases and hospitalizations rise throughout Georgia, DUMC will require all people, regardless of vaccination status, to wear masks while in indoor public spaces. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to see our videos on YouTube. Finally, visit us online and click sign up for emails under the connect tab to get announcements delivered to your inbox every week. We hope you'll join us and add your story to ours.